Welcome to the UK Consult Weekly Podcast with Jonathan Bradley and Elton Daddo, engagement practitioners and general consultation superheroes at Bang the Table in the UK. Hello and welcome to Jono and Elt's weekly ramble through all things online community engagement and public consultation. It is week 10, Jono. It's the 10th week we've done this. 10. That's like, that's a big number, isn't it? It is. It's double figures. And I thought as it's week 10, I know you've said, you know, quite implicitly in the past that I can never tell jokes on here, but I thought you might let me get away with one this week because it's week 10. I think the joke every 10 weeks is acceptable. <laughs> but probably once a year is probably more acceptable. But um, yeah, I'll tell it anyway, see what you think. And then if we want to make it a more regular thing, you know, if you're so, if you find it so funny that you just can't wait 10 weeks, then we can obviously make it more regular, right? So yeah. this week we I've been... We can edit it out if we don't like it anyway. We could take it out. Yeah, in fact, probably most stuff this week, just looking at what we've got, um, might be taken out. could be the shortest one we've ever recorded. It'll come in at about two minutes, I reckon, by by the time it's been edited. That's quite Um, philosophical, really, because if we edit it out, it's almost like, did the joke ever exist? Yeah, or maybe I haven't even got one, and now we're just going to move to the next topic seamlessly, and people will think, oh, I wonder what that joke was. So it might actually encourage a little bit more inquisitive nature in people in terms of wanting to know what my joke was. And in the theory of many universes, the joke probably does exist somewhere and doesn't exist somewhere else. (laughs) Yes, yeah. Now, this is one I made up myself, so I'm hoping it only exists here and that no one has ever thought of something so stupid before. (laughs) So I've been busily hammering bits of wood into the walls around my house for the whole week. It is definitely some of the best DIY I've ever done. So I was really confident, hoping that my partner would be really impressed when she came back from work. But do you know what she said? She said, it's not that good at all. I think you're full of your own shelf importance. Oh, yes. I mean, those are the kind of jokes I love. Yeah, it's it's heavy going, isn't it? It's, it's heavy going. <laughs> Yes, but you know that's just uh, I think you can carry on with those because I've got a, I've got a whole heap of them. Oh right, okay. Well, maybe it can be a weekly thing. Then we start with a joke. I'll, I'll do next week. And then yeah, it's a nice new feature, Elton. <laughs> joke of the week, stat of the week. Yeah, judge genre of the week. We've got everything going on in this podcast, yeah. I and mean, it will be an hour or two long by the time we get to week twenty. But that's that's all right. Yeah, but with people going in and out of lockdown, they'll have an hour here and an hour there. Yeah, exactly. They're not really commuting as much as they used to. They've got that time where they can just sit and digest some of the best comedy um, that the UK has ever seen. I think we'll, yeah, definitely rising stars of the comedy scene. (laughs) Yeah, and I think this is just kind of, we've got to week 10. We know all that comedy is there. It's always been there. We're just now bringing it out into the public arena for the first time. I think that's, it's going to really, really help elevate our status. It was only a matter of time. (laughs) Something like that. So moving swiftly on. Now, you did, I know, again, it's 10th week in a row. We've said we're never going to talk about it, but online video conferencing. But you did a Twitter poll on it, which had just got off the ground when we last spoke a week ago. What's the update on that? Well, you're going to be quite surprised, actually. 
Um, I mean, <laughs> it was a huge sample. We're talking, you know, like, so if you think like a really decent opinion poll has about 1,300 responses to give it yeah. a good sort of, yeah, to give it a good sort of confidence interval, whatever it's called. My stats are a bit rusty these days. Yeah, so our sample wasn't quite 1,300. It was eight. So we've got eight responses. Ooh, one of them was me. So <laughs> Yeah, I think one was me. So anyway, let's put that to one side. Let's yeah. let it let it that get out. In third place was our favorite, which was Google Meet, with percent in terms of the most preferred video conferencing platform. Microsoft Teams came in at a strong thirty-eight percent, but the the all-out winner was Zoom at fifty percent, with GoToMeeting getting no votes at all. Oh, so our colleague that we confidently know. Yeah. He's a massive go-to meeting fan. Didn't participate. No, he's I not he was, from the Marmite Vegemite one. Yeah, I think he's still too wounded by the Vegemite defeat that he's thinking, right, polls just aren't for me. It isn't the way I want to engage anymore. I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's um, a deep enough engagement methodology. Therefore, I'm just going to wash my hands of it. That's it. <laughs> you might find that in the world of public consultation there might be people that do say well i'm not taking part because all you've given me is an opinion poll or a survey and i you know i don't think that's really the most appropriate way that i want to participate so you know i'm not going to do it yeah totally get that and you can understand that in the face-to-face -face environment as well if you're naturally someone who's quite shy or something like that and then there's a few people shouting at the front of the room as is often the case and having multiple opinions on everything you kind of shrink into your shell a bit and think i have loads of opinions and i think i can contribute a lot but i'm just not going to say anything i'm just going to sit there yeah yeah but they might go online and put something on an ideas board or take part in an online forum yeah yeah exactly under their own steam knowing that their opinion there is as valid and that they can contribute on a regular basis just as much as, as those who generally would shout loudest in a room. Yeah. Fair yeah. enough, isn't it? Yeah. Now you, last week, you were going, you read out a very long sentence with millions of Ds in it around distributed dialogue and you were gonna feed back on that. So I'm still not entirely sure what it is. Well, we don't do research for this podcast, but- I No, did. I know. <laughs> but I did do some. <laughs> So what it is, it's about a distributed dialogue, a way of having a dispersed, I'm not going to get all the Ds in, I'm trying not to, um, a discussion around some, a particular policy issue. So it's what you're allowing people to do is discuss complex issues via a range of conversations that happen in different spaces and at different times. So you can have multiple, you can get different interested parties together at different times in different geographical areas and you get them to discuss you know whatever the issue is instead of trying to get everyone in the same place at the same time you distribute it and i like that idea of distributed dialogue and, and it sounds really deliberative and it really does play into sort of like the need to do a lot of our work online the need to do on the, you know in terms of online participation you know within a city for example you can easily encourage people to take part in discussion forums that were you know were about the same issue but they were for their neighborhood so you could get that whole sort of distributed concept going on within a city within a county and i quite like the idea of distributing debates over time and over over area because it's uh, you know just a, just a really nice way of deliberating and um, not making people all come to a face-to-face -face event or everybody come to this to a i'm gonna say zoom aren't i oh, no <laughs> it's because um, you had one this morning you came straight off 
I did actually a live online public meeting. There you go. You're not you're yeah. not forcing them into that into that approach. So there's well, more... yeah, and it's time pressured, isn't it? So yeah. people can't always um, allocate a certain amount of time to do something specific on a specific day because everyone's busy in different ways. So it enables that, doesn't it, by having it as, as distributed dialogue. And as you say, what we use, a lot of our clients use Engagement HQ in that way, and they'll use their participant tab in order to have specific groups of people at different times commenting on the same or similar things within different districts or areas around um, a local council area, for example. Yeah, and, and one, of the, one of the ways of... of particular things that's quite unique to a distributed dialogue and this is based on information provided by Involve so a big shout out to the Involve team yeah you try and give a bit of freedom to the to the community to maybe set topics and to you know participate in the way that they want to so so whilst we whilst you could build the build the framework of the project for them you could you yeah. could give them some ownership in terms of what they discuss and which tools they use and things like that so i think there's something in this to investigate how our clients could get more involved in distributed dialogues. So might be something that we follow up with and maybe in a few weeks or something like that, maybe write something on how, how you might do this online. Yeah, and we might learn something from the medieval times as well, because you because actually you'll be really interested to hear about this bit of research. As, oh, as you say, that was your homework, wasn't it? That was my homework. Yeah, it was the letter E, which was early medieval historical reenactments. Um, so the ways in which they consulted and involved communities in decision making in medieval times and my research didn't physically take me to switzerland but my online research took me to switzerland and i know we don't research anything for this so obviously i'm just doing this from memory and it was lausanne's place de la ripon which is a grand grand square in the heart of switzerland's fourth largest city so it's really historically significant and it's a dramatically cited urban set piece that would likely be the tourist thronged highlight of any North American city. Ooh. There you go. But somehow it's managed to completely mess the square up. Oh. So what <laughs> you do, we'll do this as a judge, John, though, so see what you think of their approach to, to consultation. So within the square, they've got a ring of late 19th to mid 20th century buildings um, which range visually from decent to spectacular. And it's been rudely interrupted by a brutalist early 1960s headquarters for the state government that serves to mask the site's interesting funnel-shaped topography. You can tell I've memorised this, can't you? Yeah, I've memorised it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> perfectly. Now, this year, Lausanne has been piloting... Right, are you ready for this? This is where you This is where get your judge hat on has been piloting a radically inclusive public consultation into the future of the area. Oh, so you now you, I've got that's got you thinking, hasn't it? What do really, they do? Yeah, that's really raising my hopes and setting high expectations. Yeah, I don't think you'll be. Uh, no, you might be disappointed. But what they've done is they've tapped into a ready-to-go template from Switzerland's tradition of direct democracy, and that dates back to the Middle Ages. So what they used to do in the Middle Ages there was that the Swiss congregated around town squares to participate in the Langsgemeinde, or state assembly, 
which is an open air meeting of all citizens held in a marketplace or a plaza to decide on issues of local importance via public vote. So they organise a series of events, debates, guided walks and hangouts in loads of venues peppered around the area. So you get loads of little huddles of people all over the place, like bus stops and stuff, discussing the future of the squares. So that's what they're doing now, replicating that approach that they had in the Middle Ages. And that is their radically inclusive public consultation um, in, the, in the present day. What do you think? Well, <laughs> I, you know what? I'm in two minds because I really like the idea. Yeah. And, I'm, and I really like the idea of, you know, actually doing more work, more work on sort of medieval and ancient forms of public consultation i think we should keep that going uh, we'll yeah. come we'll come back to this subject but but i you know it, it it's not it's not radical is it really i guess if it was done in the medieval times um, or, or it might be i'm not sure but it's a nice way of doing things i like it yeah they just need to match it with i'm gonna you know i'm gonna say this with the online same capability, similar capability online. So don't just stop there. Set up an engagement HQ. Let enable that fantastic buzz that they might get from all those people huddling here, there, and everywhere. But then, you know, give them a site so that they afterwards they can go and carry on the conversation, refine their ideas, you know, vote for ideas that they think are the best. Um, yeah. You know, take part in discussion forums. You know, it'd be, it'd be a shame not to. In, integrate sort of like you know, all those different tools people can use to, to carry on the discussion and then i think you know that would be more like a launch event then get everyone in the yeah. get them all excited and then say now log on to the site or, or log on while you're here and let's carry on the conversation for you know a, a period of time yeah i know i totally agree i mean i think it's certainly the it made me rethink my sort of thoughts on face to face where I always think of people sat in a room. I love the idea of them getting, you know, maybe several hundred thousands of people together and then sending them all off into different places to talk in little groups and stuff like that. So I think it might be quite radical from the face to face point of view, but it's certainly not radically inclusive because it's excluding any form of digital engagement over a longer period of time, as you say. So it was good in a way. Yeah, it certainly made me think, wow, that's a really good approach face to face but it's not an all-encompassing approach which is going to yield the most inclusive outcomes so in in term from a judge's perspective i think they're really looking at a suspended sentence really <laughs> i'll tell them shall I, shall I make the trip over there or wait yeah. till it's a bit safer yeah put it on expenses <laughs> along with my warhammer costume from last yeah. week yeah 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 which is podcast ready i hasten to add fantastic <laughs> So yeah, that was that was it. It was good to research it. I, I did find something else quite interesting on that note. There's a course down at the University of Bristol which looks at medieval approaches to consultation as part of its course. That kept cropping up when I was doing okay. my research. Oh, yeah, send me that link, and you've got to put it in the blurb. I'll put it in the blurb. Yeah, yeah. They cover it quite a lot. Um, I can't remember what the overall course name was, but it was one of the modules that was contained therein. So I'll put it in there, and I will also drop in the article because it's quite interesting to read through in more detail around this um, approach in, in Switzerland as well. So I'll put that in there. Good on you. Nice one. Now, new project launches in Engagement HQ. What did you have for that? I have the same one as you, Elton. And this isn't, we haven't fixed this up, have we? 
It's oh, not. Oh, I, I didn't yeah. know. Yeah, same one. Oh, which so, one was it? You know the one. You go for it. <laughs> no, you go for it. <laughs> Western Chester. Oh, yeah, I, I only said that because I can't pronounce that. So <laughs> on their participate uh, now site, I've got an excellent one for. It's a carers' consultation, isn't it? What's it called? I haven't got it up in front of me, silly. It is all age carers strategy 2020 to 2025. Yeah, and what I like about it, one is visual. Visually, it's got a really strong project identity, hasn't it? Their banner. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I like that. It's, it sits alone within their site, and you get you arrive on it, and you're like, ah, I know where I am, and it, yeah. it looks important. So you get that feel straight away. And then aligned with best practice, they've used a variety of uh, dialogue methods, so free tools to take part, ideas, stories, and a survey. Is it from memory? Yeah, they've got a survey on the all age carers strategy. Yeah, um, they've got three ideas boards in there, That's and then it, they've yeah. used the yeah. stories tool, which they've overtyped to call share your experiences, and it's just quite simply share your experiences as a carer. Really, really simple. But obviously, this is a sector that's been, well, to be honest, it's been under the spotlight for a number of reasons for over ten years or so now. But more particularly this year as well, comes back to that leadership point again, doesn't it? They show, I and mean, we, we've referenced Cheshire West and Chester a number of times. And with their Inspire Cheshire West site, which was really, really good as well. Um, but they've shown great leadership in seizing on really, really important current issues, which maybe the national government isn't performing so well on, but showing local level leadership in that area. And I think this is a prime example of that again. Yeah. I mean, I think I think at some point we are going to have like a top of the pops or maybe yeah. like, maybe like, you know, we could have like a league table. Maybe just the top of the pops, hit parade of sites. And I think, yeah. you know, at the moment that you'd be, you know, I don't want to upset everyone else, you know. <laughs> <laughs> sites are wonderful. But they're, you know, they're a great example, aren't they, of how, of how to, uh, you know, grab issues by the horns and get out there talking to people. I think that's a really good point. And as I say, with that COVID site that they did, Inspire Cheshire West, so visually appealing as well, not just in terms of the banner, but that, I mean, massive video. It virtually fills my screen. They use a lot of really good video content. And I know from some of their other consultations that they've done with Engagement HQ, they've often got a member of the council who's introducing that quite neatly at the start. This is why it's important for you to be involved. Um, this is what we're consulting on. Yeah. So it's a really clear call to action for people yeah. to think, actually, yeah, this really does apply to me. It affects me, and I want to have my, my say on it. And the results are, are there for – I mean, we can put the, the link up to this one uh, maybe this week or next. Obviously, it's only just launched, but they get excellent responses from, from ones that have been around for a bit longer. Yeah. And, and it, you know, it's a good reminder to everyone, to all our tens of thousands of listeners – at least, yeah. How effective a simple introductory video is for their project. Yes. doesn't have to be professional, doesn't have to be very, very long, but just to have somebody in a position of authority or someone with, in a position of experience sort of say, yeah. this, is, this is what the consultation's about, this is what we're looking to change, this is why, and this is what we really need to know from you. And, yeah. You know, and it's that, and then this is how you do it. So it's just that call to action putting it in a video and share it from the site on Twitter and share it on Facebook. You know, it's just a great way to do it. And, you know, use the phone. Just pick up your phone, iPhone, other phones are available, and off you go. 
Yeah, it's really good. And it shows that they are listening and that they do care. And it's not a scenario whereby, and we've we've heard this so many times over the years or even just the last few months, where decisions are taken, no one's involved, and it's just seen as a them and us type scenario. Well, actually, no, because a lot of those people who are setting up these projects and work within the council in, the, in this instance, they live in that area as well. So not only do they care about it and care about decision-making, but they want their own families and friends and other, and other people that they know and everyone else to also be involved in, make, in taking those decisions. So, yeah, it's another good L word for, for leadership, definitely, from them. And, yeah, they'd certainly be sitting very high up if we had a Top of the Pops chart going on at the moment in terms yeah. of their range of range of consultations and very, very visual and clear approach to it as well. Definitely. Now then, did you have any stats of the week? I do. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. I've actually got two. Oh, my go first- for it. First one was a bit of it was also a contender for grumpiness. But, um, what do you think the number thirteen billion stands for? Number of views of last week's podcast. Almost. Mm. It is the amount of money that Jeff Bezos is that how you say it? Who owns Amazon yeah. made in yeah. tw- May made earned in twenty four hours on the twentieth of July. How did you do that? Just, just through the profitability of Amazon. Oh. The, the 13, 13 billion. It is Amazon, isn't it, Jeff Bezos? I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 13 billion. I mean, I think wow. that some people that, like, you know, the mega rich tech people, they're actually getting so rich, they're giving it away. I caught the, I caught the back end. This has turned into grumpiness. I caught the back, <laughs> I caught the back end of a news article where there's a petition of really rich people sort of written to the government asking to be taxed more they're like oh. we've got so much money please tax us more because the world needs it yeah i mean weren't amazon one of those companies who had been been avoiding paying tax at some point i know there was a there was a large coffee chain yeah. as well wasn't there yeah. Yeah. um and they were, they were allegedly um, allegedly yeah i don't want the podcast getting a cease and desist <laughs> 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 Not when we're sizing up for for getting some sort of award for it in a year or so's time. I mean, that's going to happen. I have written a complaint to the uh, podcast awards, but it's not not even being invited. To uh, that's my, that's my Meldrew moment. Oh, is it? All right, I'm not stealing that then. So no, that's fine. My other stat, my other stat is yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to rephrase it. So, big shout out to Ipsos Mori. Other pollsters are available. <laughs> People ask the question that whether the following statements are true or false. The current pandemic is part of a global effort to force everyone to be vaccinated, whether they want to or not. Right. So the current pandemic is part of a global effort to force everyone to be vaccinated, whether they want to or not. More than one in 10 people think it's true. More than one in 10. Yeah. 13 percent think it's true. But get this. Another 18 percent don't know. One in five. Oh, I don't know. Another one in ten are like, yeah, this is part of a big conspiracy to force us Huge. to get vaccinated. Yeah, there were a lot of conspiracy theories, weren't there, around whether it was planted here on purpose. Yeah, yeah. and these these conspiracy theories are quite alarming, aren't they? And it all comes down to the work that we do about creating safe places, semi-formal places for people to take part in debates about issues, public policy, plans that their local council or NHS have. Because yeah. 
you know, this is just this just demonstrates, you know, how people are so influenced by fake news and conspiracy. It's quite amazing. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to ask my mum. I haven't asked her yet whether she thinks it's true or false. Yeah, I'll do the same. Yeah, we'll report back next week. <laughs> we'll have the mothers report back next week. Yeah, and the figure's higher amongst um, 24, uh, 16 to 24 year olds. Oh, so they've, they've really, and they yeah. are much more exposed to yeah. fake yeah. news and social media, aren't they? Yeah. And maybe there's something in that. Maybe there's an intrinsic link between um, the younger generation and believing a lot of fake news. How many 16 to 24 year olds do you think? What percentage think that it's true? Um, I'd yeah. go with 20. Yeah, 26%. Oh, that's a lot. One in four. Yeah. That's mad. And only 5% of those aged 55 to 75. So the wise, you know, the wiser, the older, wiser bunch aren't falling for any of this nonsense. Yeah, daring none of it. Right. <laughs> they don't even know what Twitter is. So that's great. Yeah. <laughs> they can stay away from the fake news. Yeah. So thanks for that. Those stats from Ipsos Mori, the Policy Institute and King's College London. Yeah, it's great stats. Yeah. Not as exciting as yours or in depth. Um, so it's the number six. Ooh. And the numbers, what do you think that could relate to anything, couldn't it? Absolutely. Um, what it is, <laughs> you'll love this. So was it three weeks ago? You introduced us via that recording to a very grumpy Roy Keane, didn't you? Yes. Um, he was back this week talking about the same subject that he was ranting on in that podcast that you that you played. Um, and he said six times in a post-match interview on, I think it was last Sunday, that Man United goalkeeper David De Gea should give his week's wages back after twice dropping the ball in the net against Chelsea. Yeah. Or, to, or give it to charity. But six times, and that was in about a period of a minute and a half. He's so comfy, it's great. We have so much to learn from him, Elton. I know. I know. I mean, I think you're slightly ahead of me, but I'm getting there. I'm getting slightly more um, grumpy each week. I, I find myself having several Meldrew moments a day that you know could be contenders for the podcast. Maybe whereas I, before, I never gave it any thought. Maybe I should have like take some annual leave so that you can <laughs> get away, away from the influence of grumpiness. Can you imagine these really jolly podcasts for the next like three, four weeks? And you'll come back, you'll just come back with this massive list to throw at us of Meldrew moments and gloom. Oh, oh dear me. <laughs> but yeah, talking of which, what was your <laughs> Meldrew moment of the week? I've got three. I'm not going to talk. I've got four, but I'm not going to talk about them. I'm going to talk about one specifically. One is has nothing to do with what we do, but might do, is is masks. Right. Like wear a mask, don't wear a mask. You know, and tomorrow is it tomorrow it becomes law? It's tomorrow, yeah. That it becomes law in shops as well. At the moment it's like a free-for-all. And and some people have been like boldly walking around with no mask because coronavirus doesn't affect them or they just don't agree with mask wearing. You know, I've I've got a selection of masks now. So uh, what I've done is I'm treating them like my underwear. So I've got like pants, socks masks all in the drawer and you change them every day yeah like simple hygiene uh, they're not coordinated color coordinated although somebody has suggested that but make sure you put them on in the right order otherwise it might look like you're wearing a thong with a pair of pants on your head well yeah that's true <laughs> I, I, i'll check with louise before i go <laughs> just make sure it's mask is first and that goes on yeah you know how to get dressed but so i <laughs> 
I was kind of like thinking this is like it's it's interesting research in itself because there hasn't been time for this like deliberation. We haven't been consulted on the what we do about the mass situation. So it's a bit of a free for all. And then tomorrow it just becomes law. And I think as soon as it becomes law, like we're real sticklers for rules, aren't we, the Brits? Yeah, like, yeah. That's it now. But we won't tell anyone if they're not wearing a mask. We won't tell them off. We'll just touch. No. Just yeah, it'll just be, and then we'll phone in a radio show and go, oh, I went to Tesco's and yeah. other supermarkets are available and, oh, there was someone there who didn't wear a mask. Oh. I was down Halfords, you know, <laughs> are available. There was a guy wasn't wearing a mask and all this girl wasn't wearing a mask. I'm grumpy about democracy because apparently that's not working very well, so we might pick that one up another day. Yeah. Um, and But my real one, my real grumpy that, that relates to public consultation is that I was delighted, Elton, delighted to see that UNESCO have launched, yeah. and this is their own words, UNESCO launches worldwide, worldwide, I mean, not holding back, are they? Online public consultation on the ethics of artificial intelligence, something that affects us all. It um, is. Really exciting. And then, so I go, I, I go down, this is, it doesn't work for uh, for podcasts, but if I could share my screen, I would. And you scroll down the invitation to take part, and there it is. Participate in the public consultation. And yes. your heart's racing at this point. Yeah. You want to have your say, right? You click on the link, and there's a little bit of a delay for the internet, and then it tells you, it gives you a little bit of um, background. And then it says... <laughs> There are 190 questions. That's all oh, it is. Oh, no. Global consultation. All it is is a bloody survey, nothing else. 190 oh. questions. And then it says, it basically says, but don't worry, you don't have to answer them all. Yeah. So, yeah, choose your pick. Great. And then, yeah. it, says, um, and then it says, and it will take you no more than an hour to complete. So, oh, no. first, so first of all, you've got to read about the subject, get to know it and understand it. You've probably spent most of your day on Zoom talking yeah. to other people about other things. And then and then you've got to spend only an hour filling out a questionnaire. And there's 190 questions. How do you even do that? I can't, I no way I could get to the end of 190 questions. I couldn't. No. I want to come no. in the room. Um, I get distracted. I go on Twitter. I start scrolling on Instagram. You know, it's just, it's, oh, and I'm like, oh, just despair. How could this even happen? So I was trying to sense the grumpiness. Oh, for people to have a discussion. I want to talk to other people who are interested in the ethics of artificial intelligence. I want to hear what they say. I want to get some ideas about what we do about things. I want to tell people my stories, my concerns about artificial intelligence. Yeah. Can't do any of it. No, but what I can do, sit down one hour if I've got it, 190 question, question slog. Yeah, that's way too much. Now, what do we do in this situation? Because clearly logic is telling me that we need to fight this. Um, and also the fact that I'm employed <laughs> by banging the table tells me that I've got to fight this. The alternative is we just give up. I think we get in touch and we can report back and yeah. say, how did I yeah. think we get in touch with um, UNESCO and say, but what we've just said, but it's much nicer than that. And see what they say. It could be Elton, I've jumped the gun, and they're like, well, yeah, we know this is best, not a good way of doing it, but we've got some plans to do some more good stuff later down the line. 
Yeah, or maybe when you go in and start that off and you do, there's a lot of skip logic and actually, although it's told you the time that it's going to take, hasn't well, it? Hour, say, maybe, yeah. only, maybe only 15 of those questions require answering depending on how they're built out. I'm trying to be optimistic, but that right. they've already put a long time limit on it suggests otherwise. It gets even better though because there's a big red notice. Several respondents, important note, several respondents have highlighted a timeout problem when answering the questionnaire. Oh, no. This issue is sometimes due to the timeout setting of the web browser. Yeah, no, 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 I'm not going to swear. Of course there's a timeout <laughs> issue. It's, it takes more than an hour. Yeah. Since this is a long questionnaire, it's strongly recommended you save your answers. Oh, so people don't save it. It doesn't have an autosave oh, within it. No. So they no. can't resume from where they left no. off unless they've saved it. No. Oh, I feel really no. bad now because somewhere in UNESCO is, is a really nice person whose job it was to put this together. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, it was probably be designed by committee where everybody wanted their question in. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. So we're not judging. We're not blaming. We're highlighting something that we're grumpy about because it's bad practice. Yeah. And that, now that sounded quite optimistic the way you framed that at the start now if it hadn't been specifically that we were in Meldrew moments at the point you started raising it I might have been quite optimistic but no it's that's made me really unhappy now my Meldrew moment by comparison to that is going to seem quite tame I think but it might make me slightly upset so my my Meldrew moment of the week is Claudia Winkleman oh <laughs> and why why would you think that is a she's obviously got far better hair than me but B, she was nominated for the National Podcast Awards. Oh, oh, come on. No, I mean, yeah, okay, Hair of the Year Awards, yes, maybe, Presenter of the Year, National Podcast Awards. She was. We weren't even in the running. Now, I did have a look a little bit closer into it, and it did say that you do need to have a body of work that's at least sort of 10 weeks long. Now, we were on week nine at the time, so I've already dry cleaned my suit for next year, and we're going to get everyone from Bang the Table over for it so, um, to see us get the award, obviously. So we're, we're, I think we're booking the flights this week for the global team to come over. Yeah, um, if we book the flights this week, they'll probably be cheaper, won't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and they'll get spaces on the, on the flights and things as well. It's yeah. obvious that we're going to win that award next year, but it just made me a bit grumpy that we weren't nominated because I felt that the body of work we had in nine weeks would still have been superior to, say, Claudia Winkleman, Holly Willoughby, those sorts of people. Yeah, pretty much. That's quite arbitrary, isn't it? You know, 10 weeks. Yeah. Yeah, they say that anything less than that is not quite enough to make a decision on. I think after week one, we should have already been up there with the Winklemans of this world. Pretty much after week one. I think just basically after the intro. I think <laughs> we introduced the uh, the sound effect. What, what was it? Um, yes, get the bongo beats. Well, yeah. yeah. Once they came in, I think that was it. We just went to another level of sophistication. <laughs> Well, there may be an additional shout out this for doing that. Yeah, Christy Cutter is great. And she has the perfect surname as well for cutting and editing, which I noticed. And she does edit our, our podcast. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she cuts everything out. Yeah. Ah, so, we are up to the letter F. Carol Elizabeth Wire, How Not to Murder Your Grumpy. Yeah, it's quite a difficult one here, actually. Oh, no. There is, there's fishing, film watching. Fencing, falconry, firewalking, frisbee throwing. Firewalking. What I think I'm going to, I was going to give you feng shui, because I, I wonder how they consult their stakeholders. Like what's good feng shui, what's bad? Is it shui or shui? 
things, right. things sway. I've heard both. I've heard both actually. Yeah. So I was going to do that, and then I've seen ferry crossing is an option. So we did do like well, you know how do people consult on ferries, ports, port consultation? But I think we've done that. Haven't we? I don't know if we did ports, I can't remember. It's been a long ten weeks. All right, then let's do harbour, port, harbour authority, and port trust public consultation. Harbour authority and port trust consultation. What are their requirements to do stakeholder engagement? Okay, I've noted it down. You heard me tapping away in the background there. I did indeed. <laughs> I will look into that. And until we meet next time for week 11, when we will have a special guest from the world of education, no less, and I'm not gonna ruin it by saying that. Until next time. Until next time. Thank you for tuning in to the UK Consult. Join us for future conversations each week as we continue to explore the tremendous, meaningful and ever-evolving world of digital consultation and community engagement. You can view additional educational resources at bangthetable.com.